Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me on this frigid Friday in Toronto is uh, producer and co-host Alex Wong. How you doing, Alex? Uh, I'm good, man. Yeah? Yeah, it's uh, it's Raptors bench come in for five minutes in the fourth quarter weather. It's minus 17. Damn. Yeah. Damn. All right, so, well, joining us on the line also. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't know why. It's our special that. guest, Gary Trent Sr. What's going on, Gary? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing? It's, it's cold in Toronto. Yeah, can we borrow a fur coat, Gary? What's going on? <laughs> I know you got a couple. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can loan y'all some, you know what I'm saying? I got enough to go around, it's but it's about minus 15 up here. It's about minus 15 up here, so. Okay. Okay, okay. So we yeah. got to keep that for the kids as y'all well. Gonna have to, y'all going to have to bring them back quick so I can change up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. Well, listen, we, we, we got we to gotta check in with you because the last time we saw you, at least uh, on on TV, was, was Raps Timberwolves. That was... You know, you were on hand for, to see that game. It was a bit of a collapse by the Raptors. And by that, I mean, it was a tough one. They were up 14 in the fourth quarter. Offense dried up. Defense wasn't really there. Um, your impressions watching that game and just sort of your impressions was sort of what's gone on with the Raptors this season. Because I think everyone was sort of expecting a lot. And right now, you know, they're outside the play-in. Well, I think uh, part of it is depth. You know, you have a lot of your starters playing a lot of minutes. And as the season goes on, that'll start to come back to bite you um, in certain teams. You know, like when you look at the Clippers, you know, Kawhi can rest at any given moment. They have a Paul George who might can carry the load on certain nights against certain teams. And, you know, they take those type of risks. I, we don't have guys who just sit out and rest from, from what I'm watching. And, you know, and when you don't have depth, you can't afford guys to really be out, you know. So I think um, as they search for that that second unit to find some scoring and to get some stops, I think that will uh, you know pick them up a whole lot. Yeah, they they can they can definitely use that. I think um, it's it's pretty clear because the starters for the Raptors, as you'll notice after every game, they're playing close to forty minutes, right? And and that's good for a lot of players. I don't think players will really complain about having consistent minutes like that. But you know, to function as a team, obviously you got to build out the rotation. Um, you know, well, a lot of you got a lot of young guys. You know, those guys aren't old. You know, Scotty's young, uh, Gary is young. He just turned twenty-four. So those you guys can play a lot of minutes. And you know, at this stage of their career, you want them logging minutes just for the experience and things of that nature. But you also need some guys coming off the bench logging quality minutes. You know, because you're gonna have to put some guys in off the bench on any team in any sport. But you need those guys to come in with quality minutes and. You know, um, even if you're not going to come in and give me a barrage of points, I need you to come in and not give me turnovers. I need you to come in and give me some dive on the floors and things of that nature. Those are the things that you um, come in with in that second unit. Maybe they maybe they need to call Melo, you know what I'm saying, for the second unit scoring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because when you look at the, the front office in terms of the strategy, how they build out the team, like their focus isn't as much like guys who get buckets. You know what I mean? Like there's certain players on the team who definitely fit that role, and I think they're all in the starting group really. Um, but, you know, they don't really get a lot of guys like that. I'm curious, like, if, is there anybody on the Raptors bench right now you feel like could potentially step up into that role? Because, yeah, bench scoring is definitely something that's lacking. I mean, man, honestly, being on both sides of this as a starter, 
uh, and as a guy that's came off the bench, you know, a lot of times when your coach energizes your spirit and energizes confidence in you and, and you don't have to look over your shoulder, a lot of guys play differently. And the thing is, on most rosters, guy, maybe from six on down, but probably seven on down, play with some type of look over the shoulder because, you know, you're coming out quick. You know, you're just subbing. You know, once you understand the starter's going to play this many minutes, you're going to get this many minutes. And when this guy comes back from injury, you know, so it takes the player uh, on an emotional roller coaster all over the place. Like imagine, you know, you, 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 you somebody gets hurt, you start 25 games and you averaging like 19 and 10. And then when he comes back starting, now you're back to like 14, 16 minutes. You know, that's, that's an emotional pain, you know. When you when you've done nothing wrong and he do, he did nothing wrong to lose his position, you know what I'm saying? But it's just it's just that's the painful part of the game of being a backup guy. Yeah, you know, Gary, you talk about some of this stuff too, and in terms of like we've seen this season uh, a lot of talk about Nick having to have one on one meetings with with players, and and you know he's openly questioned. Uh, not question, but like kind of call out the team for their effort level from from game to game. And we obviously know a lot of players are, are in certain contract situations, and we've heard so many reports about players being unhappy and stuff. When all this stuff is kind of trickling and kind of surrounding the team, like having been, you know, someone that's been in the NBA locker room, like been on teams like this, like how much of that will just trickle onto the floor in, in terms of just, you know, a team being able to play together? Well, you know, for the most part, every team has those issues. It's not just a Raptors thing. Every team, what I'm speaking on is just being a backup player. I'm not even specifically was speaking about the Raptors because I've, I've been a starter on certain teams mm-hmm. and a backup on certain teams. And I have the same emotion when I'm, uh, when I'm on the bench and I, and, and I want to be in the game and I went home all summer, did two a days and I've put so many hours in, but just due to the business of the game, the money, this guy makes this amount of money or, you know, he slotted in for this amount of minutes. It, it, you know, it's painful. And that's where a, a lot of guys end up losing themselves because, you know, you have to still stay professional through the emotional pain. And, and that's what makes it hard. And that's what makes, you know, you see guys act out and do certain things or shout matching with coaches and things like that. It's, it's what happens is the business gives you a bad taste for the love of basketball when you're, when you're in those type of situations, you know, and, and, and that's what leads to some of those things. But as far as, uh, you know, there's teams where, you know, guys can be playing for contracts and they can have success. And there's teams where guys are just playing five games of one-on-one and not enough cohesiveness as a unit. And, you know, when you, like I say, when you talk about, when you listen to those championship teams, when you listen to magic and, Isaiah and those guys, they talk about the harmony and the love amongst them. Mm. And that harmony and love amongst them was carried on to the court. You know what I'm saying? It carried on to the court on how you interact with guys out at dinner and on the plane and at practice and, you know, talking to guys on the phone and all seeing like, do you have a genuine care for that guy? You know, when you listen to Magic talk about them teams and those championship teams, any championship team, you know, the Spurs or, or even Golden State, you'll hear how guys really personally care for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking to those Magic teams or the Magic's teams on the Lakers, like they're they're literally having reunions like 
last summer. You know, you saw all those guys Man, like, right? in their they, 70s are still getting reunions. together. Yeah, they're doing that more than uh, high school reunions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they got Pat Riley out there. They got them running drills. At, uh, man, at, right? Yeah. They they reenactment. They play like man. You listen, and they got almost everybody there, man. Mm-hmm. So th- that that's really love and harmony. Because if you had a sour taste with those guys, or you didn't feel some about those guys, you wouldn't show up, right? You right. know, you, you know, especially it's it's not nobody's getting money from it. It was just a, a love thing. Yeah, and yeah. that that's beautiful that they just come together like that. For sure. I mean, you know, when when there is sort of a situation where you know, there isn't that same harmony or or even if there is, like, who who is it upon? Whose responsibility is that to sort of keep it? Is it the coach? Is it the front office? Is it um, the leader of the team? Like, you know, like, how how does the sort of, like, locker room atmosphere, you know, maintain itself? It, it, well, how should it maintain uh, itself? I mean, to be honest, it really has to be amongst the players, man. Mm. You know, um, you know, when, when on, on our team, I've been on different teams, and you know, I, I've watched different guys as the as the team leader or so-called team leader um, do certain things, you know. And the, the air that the team leader carries is usually high. It's going to trickle down, you know. When 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 I was in Minnesota, you know, um, he wasn't having your phone in the locker room. Everybody had phones, but you there was a there's a there's a player seating and there's a video going of the of the team's previous game. That's where guys sit down, get right. You're not in there on the phone. You're not in there talking loud. You got to take that to the lounge and this this piece of the locker room, this sanctuary is for preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and you got to have somebody that that can do that, speak that, and lead by that. You know, there were certain sections on the plane that the players set. The coaches wasn't allowed to sit and, you know, and everybody was good with that. And, and there was hierarchy, but there was respected understanding hierarchy, you know, and you, ha- you, you just, it starts amongst the players because a coach can be what he can be true, you know, and there has to be a certain level of respect, a high level of respect for the coach because he brings a certain air. But at the end of the day, it has to be amongst the players. Cause you know, once guys get 32, 33, got, 30, 50, 150, 200 million, mm. ain't nobody telling him what to do. <laughs> ain't nobody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you're not going to talk to me. You're not going to talk to me like this. I make 45, 50 million. You coach make 5 million. You're not going to talk to me like that, you know? So it, it, it's a delicate balance. And, and, the, and, the, and the leader and the player has to, has to respect that. Like, you know, because you make 50 million and the coach might make 5 or 10 million, that doesn't give you the air to disrespect, you know what I'm saying? It, it just doesn't, you know? And I think, you know, the team leaders, uh, but it's not just one person. It has to be a person who is the leader of the team, and it has to be the guys rallying and other supporting members, you know, the veterans and the leaders of the team. It can't just be all on one guy because when you got like 15 guys, one guy's personality might not connect with everybody the same, you know, when I was on the team, the way, the way I connect with this player, uh, Mike Finley might connect better with him mm-hmm. or I might connect better with Rashid, but this guy might connect better with Sabonis. You know, everybody has to have a brother or somebody amongst that team that you, that you, you know, might need to vent to on a plane ride right. or vent to late night 
out to eat, you know what I'm saying? Just whether it be like life or just man or anything, if you got injured and you just want to vent about it or anything, man, you, you, you've got to have that. And that's what, you know, when you sit there and ride with a guy on a plane for five, six years and y'all battle and you done took charges for him or picked him up off the floor and saw his kids and you done had to shower with this guy, you might have had to borrow a tie. That's where that love and harmony and all that real stuff comes from. Right. Yeah, no, seriously, these are the experiences that you really can't speak to unless you've really been in those rooms. I mean, I'm just curious, like, in terms of some of your favorite teammates, in terms of the, the players that you played with, and you listed a lot of great players there just casually, um, who are some of the guys that you, you loved having in the locker room who really set a good tone but also really demanded respect and also had everyone, you know, on the same page? Man, the, the, the guys, you know, I got a lot of fraternity brothers that, you know, I, I've talked to in the league. I just I just was flying back the other day and ran into Tony Delk on the plane. He was okay. coming to Minnesota to scout. So, you know, it's just it's just a brotherhood. But, you know, uh, Aaron McKee, when I first came to the league, you know, he was in his second year and I was in my first year, but he had it all mapped out. He knew everything. He told me, listen, this is going to be your minutes. This is how this is going to work. This is where you go eat. This is where you don't go eat. This is where you don't be at. Like anything that I needed to know, he he gave it all to me, you know. So, you know, he he took me under his wing day one, and uh, we've always been close from that. You know, Rashid has, uh, you know, we're, our birthdays are like five days apart, and me and him met for the NBA. So we we already had, you know, a, a certain relationship. Same with Kevin. Me and him met before the NBA, and uh, you know, and Sam, you know, Sam uh, Cassell just. That that's that's my that's my older brother, but he's my little brother at the same time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. All right, all right. But uh, those guys are uh, people that I just I talk to consistently, consistently, consistently. Yeah. Well, no, you could tell that the bond's still there, right? Even obviously after your careers are done. You know, I was listening to um, you know KG has a pod that he does with uh, that he does with uh, Paul Pierce, right? And I was listening to them, and every time they talk about Toronto, they always talk about little nephew up there. They're always talking about Gary, right? Your son. Um, and you could tell yeah, the, the yeah. closeness, you know what I mean? And, you know, speaking of Gary, right? I mean, he's had, you know, he, I think he's really made himself into like a huge fan favorite this season, like consistently, you know, with the Raptors, especially with the record, the way they are, right? There's always all this stuff about trade talks, right? And everyone gets his, their names gets mentioned in this. Really everybody except for Scotty has, has sort of been put into some sort of fake trade here or there. But I think over the course of the year, people have really come to appreciate what your son has been able to do, especially given the fact that he went through, you know, a dry spell in November where his shooting percentages were down and, and, and Nick put him on that bench and he fought his way back off that bench. And now there's no question as to whether or not you're going to keep him in the starting group. He's just on there every single night, his name and pen. Um, I'm curious because in that time in November, you know, when he was struggling a little bit, how did you help him get out of that funk? Just having conversations with him to uh, make him understand the only thing you can control is your workload. So that's the only thing you can believe in. You don't have to believe in nobody else. You don't have to believe in nothing else. Only believe in your workload. There's no way you're going to come in this gym and watch the ball go through the rim seven, eight, nine hundred times four or five days a week and your shot not come back and you don't believe in your shot. You're not going to watch it go through the basket four to 5,000 times in a week. And then when you shoot that shot, think it's not going in. That's why 
if you notice, like a Ray Allen, you ever see him on Monday go 0 for 8, 0 for 9, and then on Tuesday go uh, 9 for 10 from the three-point line. You know what I'm saying? Because the only thing you can believe in is your work, and you got to put the work in, and you got to see that ball going through the basket time after time after time after time. And that's why when you watch the Kobe's and the Jordans and those guys, they believe that shot is going in, you know, and um, that just attributes to him being mentally strong because in this business, you have to be mentally strong and you have to be mentally strong so that you don't lose your professionalism. You have to be mentally strong so that you don't give up on yourself. You know, a lot of people thought it was funny when Snoop did his, uh, you know, got his star on Hollywood and he was like, and last but not least, I want to thank me. Hey, listen, Mm. it sounded funny, but you got to thank you because I could preach to my son. I could bring anybody in the family. I could bring, uh, I could bring back anybody, Adam Silver, anybody to come and talk to him. But if you don't want something, and if you're not about that and you're not mentally strong, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's on you. So at the end of the day, yeah, I, I had conversations with him and things of that nature, but he got to thank himself for believing in himself and to not give up on himself and to not waver through this. You know, you know, you know how much that would hurt or be embarrassing to go back to the bench, not be a starter you know, after you worked and climbed and clawed to try to keep proving yourself, you know, you know, his name has been in trade rumors every year he's been in the league. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's nothing new. That's why the only thing that you can control is your work. You don't worry about trade rumors. It's going to be a trade. It's been a trade rumor every year. So that don't affect you no more because that's old now. If a team believe in you and a team really wants you, they're going to put that money out there and they're going to put them years out there and they're going to keep you and they're going to make you a part of it. If not, you play elsewhere. That's how it's always been in this business. Mm. It's not just on the player all the time. You know, a player will get ridiculed when he shout he want to be traded, but don't nothing get ridiculed when the organization trade the player. Right. It's all business is all equal. Oh, he's not loyal. You know, if Dame was to come out and say he wanted to be traded, now everybody in Portland would think something's wrong with him, even though he doesn't. I'm just saying people are going to shun on that. People are going to be mad. People are going to talk down on that. Yeah, no, I think think it's super interesting. Because, like, you know, I I think we talked about this too. Like, Gary, you know, when he was, you know, moved from the starter to the bench role this season, and, like, you know, I think Nick had some comments about – you know, him needing to be better on defense. And there's certain guys who might take that criticism the wrong way or take going to the bench the wrong way. And I think Gary, like you mentioned, like he just put in the work and he just responded like in a very just professional way, right? And you can see the way that he's he's turned his season around now since that stretch. And, and you mentioned the trade rumors. It is, it is interesting because, you know, I'm sure as you know, Gary, like this is all we've been talking about. And the Raptors have been like the number one team coming up to the trade deadline. You know, it's interesting to think about from Gary's perspective that he has been in these rumors a lot, like even when he was in Portland and obviously the year that he was dealt here to Toronto. You know, when when you're seeing all these reports, because, you know, there's reporters now, you know, talking about, you know, whether a player is unhappy, whether, you know, what kind of money that they want, what kind of situation they want to be in, you know, as as like a dad to to an NBA player, you know, obviously you you have the info, like you understand, like you talk to your son. How hard is it sometimes to just kind of stay out of it and not be like, oh, like I got to speak on this because people are talking about my son and reporting things that you know are not true? 
Um, no, those aren't all those rumors. They're true. Um, the, the reason they're rumors is because they're not solid. But the reason they're rumors is because when you are a team at the bottom, usually you're looking for some type of answers to make things happen. And a lot of times, you know, those trades and, and, and things, it's not even personal. It's a business thing, you know. So a lot of those trades be for business, for draft picks and things of that nature. So that's why you can't take any of this personally. It's not about the organization. It's about how hard are you willing to work as an individual. You shouldn't work no harder for the Raptors than you work for the Blazers or uh, the the Lakers or the, the Pelicans or Utah or any team you play for as an NBA player. You should bring a certain brand of what you bring to the table, a brand of who you are and what you are. Your scouting report there's a scouting report about you on the court and off the court. Mm. And when them teams go to sign you after a certain period of time, that's what you should be bringing to the table. He's known as a, a, a hard hat guy. He's going to show up to work. He's going to be on, be early. He's going to stay late. He's going to do this. He's going to be a good leader. He's going to be good in the locker room. Like there's a certain brand that has to come with you as a, as a professional. And, um, you know, and it doesn't matter what team you're on. So as long as you stay like that, and stay working, you can you can make yourself have a long NBA career or NFL career because, you know, the, the, the standard remains the same. It's a sports culture. It's a locker room culture. It's a don't bring a black eye to the band, uh, brand culture. So, you know, whether it's baseball, football, hockey, it, all the, 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 the rules remain the same. Yeah, no, that's interesting too because I, I think people don't really think about the reputational aspect that what you're talking about with – you know, the scouting report on the court and then off the court as well. And I think, especially with Gary, I mean, like, he's he's been an upstanding citizen. Um, I think everyone loves the the fashion game and everything like that. You know, but even when you hear him speak, and, and, and I've noticed this year in terms of him talking about, um, you know, when, when he's asked to do media, he's always focused on the positivity and also focused on hard work. Like, it, honestly, it sounds, interviewing you a little bit sounds like when I interview sometimes your son, right? And it's like a very clear alignment between the two. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious because obviously, like, he's heading into this um, this summer where he's got to make a decision, right? He's got the player option. Obviously, he's played above his contract, so there's a very high likelihood that he opts into free agency and signs a new deal. He's been playing well, right? He's, he's deserved all that. And and I'm curious, like, not I'm not going to ask you, like, what his decision is going to be because that's not fair to you or, or Gary right now, to be honest. But um, in terms of your involvement, right, how much is it you, how much is it Gary, and how much – is it uh, working with Clutch in particular? Because I think there's always this reputation around Clutch sports when when players change agencies, and I think the rumors right now, Fred might have changed over to Clutch as well. People always think about Clutch in like this, like, oh my God, like this this is like this entity, you know. But in your experience, what's it like been, you know, you know, working with Clutch and and sort of how have they sort of worked to to combine your interests, your son's interests, and also just the interests of the team as they sort of make these contracts happen. Well, let me let me explain this to you first. First off, it starts with the player. Mm. You have to be worth something for an agent to represent represent you. Whether you're a football player, a movie star, a coach, a basketball player, you have to be worth something for an agent to represent you. Now, your performance, or depending on where you're at in your career, your potential. You know, if you're just getting drafted, but your performance and your potential determines what type of hammer size hammer you put in your agent's hand. Mm. You know, if, uh, you know, if you're a guy that 
might be one step in the league, but, you know, more stronger overseas. You know, you put a, a hammer in his hand that you can hang pitchers with. Uh, you know, if you're a starter in the league, you know, you put a, you know, one of them plunger size hammers. Now you are all-star, you are Yanis, you are Max, you are all-star player. Now you put a Thor hammer in his hand. Mm. So a lot of it uh, is some of the agent, but you can't take super agent and mediocre player and think he's going to get you paid. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You have to, you as a player have to put what size hammer so when he go in there and talk to that general manager, what size hammer did you put in his hand? Did you make the all-star game? Is your team number one in the conference? Uh, you know, did you make all NBA first team? Some of that, and did you make second team? That puts the size hammer in your agent's hand. So when he's in there talking, you know, because a lot of times, depending on your performance, it's not a negotiation. It's a conversation. Mm. You, you you think when Yanis go in there and sit down, you think when Dame went in there and got two years, 121, you think that was a negotiation or you think that was a conversation? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you come in there and that, it's a conversation. We're not in here negotiating. I'm proven. Yeah. So ain't nothing to go. You can't negotiate what's proven. Damn. Yeah. You, can't, you know what I'm saying? When, he, when Dame come in there and sit down, my loyalty is proven, my performance is proven, my work ethic is proven, you know, my growth is proven, my numbers every year is proven, my representation of character and the community is proven. We're not in here negotiating. We're having a conversation about how this getting ready to work. And that's just the nature of business. That's just how it works. It's, it's just how it is. And, the, and if the organization is behind you and they support you and they want that, they're going to make sure that the conversation, you think when Magic pulled up on LeBron, he was negotiating? No. He was having a conversation about how big you can be. Yeah, this is we great. We ain't here negotiating. The, the, you know what I'm saying? When you get to a certain point, we're not here talking about just money anymore. We're talking about money and who you are and what we can do for you here. The same way they were trying to get Kawhi to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to change that. There's not a front office. There's not a front office that doesn't understand negotiation, and there's not a front office that doesn't understand how to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. This is great career advice. Just like contract negotiation. I, I don't know about the hammer. I, I think advice. We, we, right now we have like a like a regular hammer. You know, there's not, it's not <laughs> Thor. It's not the jackhammer. <laughs> no, you know no, no, I mean? no, 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 They're no. Not no, busting no. concrete. Hey, you're, you're putting the nail in the hey, wall. Hey, you can put a jackhammer, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, when Yannis go, when Yannis dropped fifty in the finals and go That's in there different. and get to talking, he came in there with the Thor hammer. You know what I'm saying? He came in there, he cracked, he, 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 hit the, he hit the street and he cracked the office, you know? <laughs> yeah, we got a, I think we got like a screwdriver right now or something. We're on that, yeah, yeah we're on that level. You got um, a shank, you about to have to go in there and shake the boss for the bus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why does every conversation end up like this, Gary? No, um, you know, saw you on the, uh, talking about you watching the game in Minnesota, saw you on the broadcast. Uh, first of all, it's cool to see, you know, you and your, your kids decked out in the fur coats as we reference up top. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I really looked like a wolf with his cubs, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was amazing. But yeah, you, you talked a little bit because I think, um, uh, the Raptors had just played in Milwaukee and there was that incident with, with Gary and, and Brooke Lopez and, and, you know, you had your, your take on it. Um, you know, what, you know, as you, as you're watching that unfold, like, what are you thinking just as a former player, like how you would have handled that? So here's the situation that people, you know, I, you know, the, the uh, internet posted the headline caption 
mm-hmm. that Trent would have shocked Lopez. <laughs> First off, when the lady <laughs> did say asked that, me the question. <laughs> oh, no, listen, listen. When okay. the lady asked me the question, I never said anything negative about Lopez. No, I you never didn't. said yep. anything about Lopez. I never said Lopez was soft. I never said Lopez wouldn't punch back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't mm. say anything about Lopez. You could have took took take my son out of that situation and put two other players in there. Put two other players in there. Remove Lopez. Put two players in there. I would have said the same thing. They said, "What did this happen to you?" So I, it wasn't just about my son or Lopez. That's why I didn't say anything about him. Mm. Let me tell you where that comes from. First off, that's how I'm designed. If you if you do that, that's where we're going with it. Mm. That's where we're going with it. That's where we're going. You know, if you ask any of my teammates. If after the games, if I wasn't stripped, ready to shower, and I still have my shoes on, I'm going to address somebody down the hallway, and I'm going to the locker room. I didn't ask none of my teammates to go with me. I didn't ask nobody to come risk a suspension. I'm going to walk into this locker room of 15 to 20 players by myself, and I'm going to address whoever I need to address, and whatever happens will happen here. All my teammates will tell you that. And 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 uh, if I couldn't get into your locker room, I'd wait by the bus. Mm. That was your so that that was me. They'll tell you that. But here's that's that's my personality first off. But secondly, you gotta think about this now. Here's what they're not here's what people don't understand from the game of basketball. When you look at the early eighties, uh, you was allowed to fight and stay in the game. Like I'm talking about throw blows, handcuff, choke each other, uh, two piece a guy and Pause the game, let everybody cool down, and remember you could still stay in the game. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of so, wild thinking about it now because that, that's that's like a yeah, five-game suspension. People, it's so far ago, people don't remember that, right? So here's so here's the timeline, right? So that went on in the '80s. So when guys come into the league in '87, '88, '89, they're still dealing with the mentality that was above them that you got to be tough. It's going to be no layup rule. We're going to be in here fighting. Mm-hmm. You remember the Knicks no layup rule when the game the scores was 79 to 82? You mm-hmm. come in here for a layup, it's over for you. You remember that? Yep. That's the Pat Riley defense. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, those guys coming out of the that came into the league in 88, 89, late 90s, they're still in the league when I get there. Mm-hmm. So if you came into the league in 86, you dealing with all them guys that were fighting. So that means in 96, when I'm playing against you, you still have that mentality like, wow, I'll sock you out here, right? That's the mentality. So when I came in in the mid-90s, I'm dealing with the trickle of the mentality that was before me. So we were more in a gladiator state of mind. So me saying I would have socked Lopez was, one, because that's how I get down. Mm-hmm. But, two, that's how the league was. The, the further you go back in time, the more fights there was. Right. Now it's a lot of shoving and arguing. And really in the game of basketball or any sport, there's no place for it. Right. You know, if you look at how, you know, Kevin McHale took Kurt Rambis out the air, that wasn't basketball. How they used to do, the bad boys used to do Jordan, that wasn't basketball. Mm. Yeah. You take LeBron out the air like Rambis did, like <laughs> Kurt Rambis got to go out there, boy, the you league. might get a... You might get a 50-game uh, baseball P, uh, PED-type suspension. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just imagining you know, that. Man. You know, because I'm, I'm surprised Isaiah Stewart is still uh, is still down there in Detroit. You know, that was a... Uh, yeah, but you, 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 you know him. what I'm saying, though? Yeah. 
you you can't uh there was there's really there was really no place for it but that was where when 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 she asked me that in that type of situation and I'm putting myself in that situation in that time and era mm. first off my teammates and everybody when you have to stand up for yourself or stand up for somebody that was the mindset at that point in time man you got big guys in this league like Otis Thorpe Otis Thorpe going to fight you Charles Oakley going to fight you Anthony Mason going to fight you. Yeah. Larry Johnson going to fight you. Alonzo going to fight you. Chat going to fight. You, you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was about not only can I beat you on the court, I'll beat your ass on the court, off the court. Like, it was that mentality in the air. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't nothing personal about my son being involved or nothing personal about Lopez. That's why. I didn't say anything. I just said I would have socked him because I'm thinking back in our era, yeah. that's what you would have had to do and to 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 keep your keep your point across. I, it's interesting because you're describing like a lot of it's like you sort of like police the game yourselves, right? And and when there's that kind of culture, you probably don't see the same thing as like two guys getting tangled up on a box out and then someone just flicks a headband off. Like, come on, man, that's just disrespect, you know? Like in mm-hmm. any in any context, that's disrespect. I can't come well, over you here. You gotta look at it like you this. Know? You gotta look at it like this. If you've been in the league 15 years and you ain't never been in a, an injection before and your first one was from a headband, you ain't really about that smoke like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Lopez come to work. He do what he do. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? He played physical. He banged down there. He got a big ass, you know what I'm saying? He a big ass body. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he, you know, when you catch one suspension after 15 years, that's really not his character. I think it was just more of a heated moment thing, you know? Yeah. No, that's fair. No, that's fair. Because, I mean, listen, man, it's it's always interesting getting this perspective, right? Because a lot of the stuff, like, reporters, like, we're not going to see this, we're not going to hear this, we're not going to understand it until it's, like, explained explicitly to us, you know? And so... Hey, listen, that's not going to... That's not going to be the last uh, shenanigan my son get in with somebody in the league. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My son out there talking shit, and he competing, and he going hard, so it's going to be some more of that. It's, it's going to happen okay. again. All right. Yeah, it, it, it should happen. Yeah. You can't be out there competing and going hard and trying to lock somebody up and trying to be physical with somebody and, and, and not get some get some verbal conversation in and some understanding in there too. It just you can't. It doesn't work like that, man. You got to you. I got to let you know verbally, physically, effort wise, and everything else. I'm going to beat you. If I need to beat you to this loose ball, I'm going to beat you to it effort-wise. If I need to smack you out here, I'll smack you. If I need to see you at the bus, I'll smack you there too. Like, that was the whole mindset, you know? And and that that was what we were under, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, no, why, you that's think, um... why you think the scores is like that now. God, go to the, the floor is so spread, everybody running to the three-point line. So, you know. The little, the no Latin. I, here's how much has changed, and this was the most amazing, crazy thing to me. When I was playing all my life, coaches told me if a guy flashed through the paint, you have to chest the cutter. Nobody can just duck in the paint. You can't just be letting guys cut through the paint because imagine just letting Shaq just duck in, or or at least trying to prevent them. You know what I'm saying? You, you're not going to prevent it. You got to give it what you can. But imagine if every team just let guys just run through the paint, run through the paint, run through the paint. So that's why the scores like they are now. So when I was coaching and I'm 
talking to guys. I'm like, hey, when a guy flashed in here, they're like, no, 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 no. The referee told me, because, uh, you know, they bring the uh, NBA referees to training camp with all the new rules and whatever. Do said, no, if you chest the cutter, that's impeding the offensive player's progress. Mm. I'm like, what? So he just get to roam free? He just can roam, basically cut through here and then spin post up on you right quick. And that's why it makes the scores like they are because, you know, people say, oh, there's no defense in the NBA. There's great defense in the NBA, but there's greater offense. You know, when you watch summer drills, every time you turn on YouTube, guys are in the gym working on offense. You ain't seeing no guys at the gym sliding and diving on the floor. (laughs) They are working on the jumper, working on footwork, working on jump hooks, working on free throws, working on step backs, working on this yo-yo move. You know, by the gym working on no D, you play D when you show up. Right. I mean, so if you think about it, you get more money most playing guys only too, play you know? defense. Most guys only playing defense at practice and in games. Yeah. You don't work on defense. Right. Now, you work on defense by, uh, you know, if you're doing lateral movements in the summer, groin stretches and band work and sand work, that's potentially how you work on your defensive movements. You know what I'm saying? But, a lot of guys ain't, you know, you got to, you, you, you getting paid to make sure you can spread the floor. You're getting paid to make sure you can rebound and things of that nature. There's not too many guys just strictly on the, in the summertime, you know, all my job is the defense. So I'm just sliding out here and on the beach and on the court. <laughs> you're telling me guys, yeah, you, guys you are know. getting together in the off season to do shell drills. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, guys getting together in them workouts, like at Remy workouts and things of that nature, or Chris out there in LA, but uh, nah, yeah, ain't nobody. You, you, when you when you turn on the YouTube and see some NBA guys sliding in some drills, like who gonna go pay a trainer to teach me how to slide? <laughs> no, that's, that's, a good, <laughs> you know? that's a good point. Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you to put me through these drills, get my handles up, do my thing like this. Yep. I don't think nobody paying for defensive slide. All right, um, all right, Gary, I, I got I got one last question for you because I I, th- I thought of um. I mean, this was all over the news, right? Especially when it happens with, with in, in L.A. with LeBron. You know, that whole thing with the Memphis Grizzlies, Shannon Sharp was sort of like, you know, talking to Dylan Brooks or John Moran or whatever. And and then it sort of became this whole thing, and then Jaws' dad got involved and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was just thinking about this whole situation, and I'm just like, it does feel like when, because there's lots of, like, father-son combos now in the NBA, right? I think there was a stat that came out there. I think your name was actually mentioned. LeBron had played, like, seven different sets of like father dad combos um in the in the league which is kind of wild to think yeah. about his longevity because he played against you now you played against gary a couple times now um yeah but even though there's a lot of these like father son combos it feels like it's not the father son combo where both uh the dad and the son played in the nba they don't make the headlines as much as like when the son makes the nba but then you know about the famous dad and i'm curious like why why do you think that is um I think it's just from the media wanting to know more about like a John Morant, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know whatever. I don't know anything about his father and I've just seen him on TV as far as at the games and then that little situation with Shannon. Um, I just think the media and society just wants to know more about Ja, and, you know, people follow his social media or he posts his dad or they see his dad sitting courtside or whatever. And, things of that nature, uh, I think it's just about society wanting to know more. Right, you know, okay. because if you think about it, the only time, if you go back in history, the only time that you could get some inside scoop was probably more gossip from the Inquirer. You know, so 
now the internet is just the inquirer now and just put out instant news right there on the spot and whether it's true or not somebody will watch something one time hear a story or see a caption mm -hmm. never never talk about it again or read up on it again but they just will go with what they read and start spreading that i think the uh situation with the shannon sharp and them i think when his son came over um you know his dad just felt compelled to come over and as any father would i don't know what i i might have done the same thing you know if you you acting like you about to get down with my son, mm -hmm. but you know what I'm saying? You gonna have to get down with everybody. I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on the teammates coming over here before me. That's you right. telling me you about to walk on the court and do something to my son? Nah, as a pedestrian, I'm not gonna go on the court and do like if my son was tangled up on the court. Uh, I wouldn't have left the stands to untangle him and Lopez. But if I'm on, if I was sitting courtside and somebody was about to get into it with my son and you in street clothes, man, I'd come out there and break your neck in front of society. No, that's fair enough, man. All right, Gary, I appreciate you always taking time to come on the show. All right. When are you coming to Toronto, yeah. Gary? Are you coming to Toronto anytime soon? Uh, I'm not sure, man. I might come up there next week or so. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep yeah. a, I'll keep an eye. I'll let the staff at Pi uh, know that you might be coming. Oh, come on, you always talking about yeah. Pi. Man. <laughs> I might come by the studio though if I if I come there. Yeah, okay. please, man. Right. No, uh, you got my number. Message me. Let's make it happen. All right. I appreciate you. All right, Gary Trent Senior, right. one of the fan favorites on this program. We always we always clear out. Like we had other topics, we scrapped the other. Yeah, topics. you know, not much happened. Uh, you know, than the last hour. Yeah, Just Kyrie like, Irving requested a trade from Kyrie the Nets. A trade. Who cares? All right. But anyway, yeah. look, we'll come back. We'll talk about that real quickly. Um, but I've been your host, Willu, and you're listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sports and Radio Network. I'm your host, William Luke. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong here as we wrap up the show. Actually, Alex, you got a big shout out. Obviously, the hat. What's up, man? Yeah, just want to give a quick shout out to Zito's Marketplace. They play the show every day, uh, you know, reportedly oh, yeah? at, at the shop. So, you know, shouts to the big boss, Angelo, mm. Mark Savelle, Sister Janelle, Ali the Kid, Marky. You met yeah. Marky. Of course, Marky, Mark, Marcus. Yeah. It's like how Gary Trent Sr. names his sons. Right. It's like every variation. So, all right. Shows to them. Uh, trade, to them. trade deadline oh, show. Well, right. Sorry. I just what? Got it. I, it just, uh, it's like the most Italian thing ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've been saying it every other word in Italy. Just letting people know that next Thursday we're going to have a special two hour show for the trade deadline. That's right. So it'll be 2 to 4 p.m. So we're you'll react be able to, to all the trades. Yeah. You'll be able to catch us on, on all the platforms that you usually listen or watch us on. Mm. So that's going to um, be our most viewed thing, man. Yeah, tune in for that. It'll be fun. You know, hopefully the Raptors make a couple moves. Yeah, but not Gary, though. 
Because you, you, heard, oh, you yeah, heard yeah, of the yeah. first half, man. I guess regardless, we can still yeah. have Gary on. Um, no, we'll have Gary Sr. on the podcast regardless because it seems like he's a clear fan favorite, and we all know why. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they'll move Gary. I actually maybe early in the season I kind of suspected it with the bench thing, but mm. I, I think um, I, I'm starting to buy it, man. I'm starting to buy it. Yeah, and also, and... what am I going to say after that interview? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say yes. And um, you know, one more item to add to yep. our trade deadline watch. So, uh, Woj reported uh, about an hour ago that Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving has told the franchise that he wants to be traded ahead of next Thursday's deadline. So, there's been some talks. They've been trying to get a new deal done, but because no deal has been reached on an extension, a trade request was delivered to the organization today. Due to tampering. Okay. So, so first off. Here we go. My reaction to Hashtag this, this league. Is... Hashtag this league. Yeah. Definitely, you know, obviously the Nets were, they've been rolling so nicely for two months that something bad had to happen. And of course, Kyrie was like, I got you guys. All right. Yes, yeah. I, yes I'm playing at a great level, but boom, this here is you wild. go. But my main comment is yeah. you got to put some respect on the risk God because it was Shams who broke this. Oh, okay. Was yeah, it Shams? Oh, this to oh, oh, my bad. Come on, my man. bad. Correction there. Respect, respect, uh, the, respect the risk. Uh, man. This goes to uh, Shams. Um, That's right, man. But I believe front of the program, Michael Grange hinted at this weeks ago. So oh, I'm yeah. A, yeah, I'm going to credit everything to Grange from now on because that's the friend of the program right there. We got people, we got people flexing on the show daily now. Apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, my apologies. Yeah, look, listen, I'm not I'm not surprised by this. It, it seems you, like okay. No, it I seems am like a little surprised. The Nets put in a ton of stipulations because the Nets don't trust Kyrie because you know the Nets don't trust Kyrie. Yeah, so the, they put a the bunch Nets of literally gave him an anti-Semitic checklist before he could come back and play earlier this season. Right. Let's be clear on like the circumstances. Yeah. With Kyrie. So um, I, I'm not necessarily surprised that the Nets yeah. gave him this thing, and I think Kyrie's probably just like again, like think back to what what gary was saying in the first half guys making 250 million dollars you can't really tell me what to do yeah you know what i mean so but, like you either say yes to like we want you back and here's all the money you want or you know the player moves on like that's we're talking about an inelastic product here yeah but the Kyrie nets, irving's an inelastic product. but i thought this was supposed to be like a last dance for the nets with with Kyrie and kd and it seemed like after they fired Steve Nash, brought in Jacques Vaughn, they were playing well, yeah, yeah. and everything was very calm. Things were looking good, but uh, does I this mean, does this mean you know can Kevin Durant request a trade as well? Oh, is that what you want? Yeah, Bobby, get your third phone, man. It's, yo, get listen, a third phone. Where's where's, where's Bobby? Talk at, to man. Sean Marks. You don't, take this. You take this. Yeah, I don't want no. I don't want no Seth Curry. You know, Chris Boucher deal like James Herbert proposed. <laughs> that was that was a terrible. I want proposal, Kevin Durant. Man. I wasn't interested. No, shout out to James. Um, no, it's fine. I want Kevin Durant on the table, but All no, right. this adds a huge wrinkle to sure. The trade deadline. Absolutely. Are the Lakers ready to give up their seventh and ninth graders? Uh, 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 um, abso- for picks. Kyrie, absolutely. Because, again, it's not a negotiation. LeBron wanted Kyrie. It's pretty clear, and he's probably going to want it again. Um, we really ran out of time to talk about Pascal being snubbed for the All-Star team. It oh, I mean, really, we can talk really about it very quickly. Yeah, so um, Pascal was snubbed. I mean, look, listen, it's really just the, the team record, I think, more than anything else. Yes, he did slow down a little bit mm-hmm. because I think um, it's it's the the wear and tear, but it's the team record. Like, it, it's, it, it's just so low. Now, this... Usually, the all the players on the teams are at least in a playoff spot, and you do see a lot of players on different teams that are in the 9, 10, 11 spots. So it's like, okay, it's not just a team record, but at the same time, you know, I think what Pascal responded to, it, I, I don't think he was happy about it, but he did say, like, next time I got to put myself in a position where there's no doubt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you, when you put the team record the way it is, you do leave some doubt. The fact is, though, like 25, 8, and 6 is all-star numbers, especially the way he started the season. We were even, he was even getting some, like, slight MVP buzz. Yeah. Of course, that was the start of the season. You got to maintain that. Obviously, the record's got to be good. But 
it's just another kick in the stomach for the for the whole season, you know. Like this is another punishment just, for being twenty three and thirty. Yeah, this is another punishment for being the sixth worst team yeah. in the league. I hear you. You, you could argue him over Julius Randle. Probably even argue him over. I think like even Drew Holiday, but mm. those guys are up there in the standings. Even the Knicks, Demar. right? Demar. I feel like you could put him yeah. up there over Demar, but so it is what it is, man. And it's it's unfortunate it's happened a couple times to Pascal, but. Um, to wrap up the show, it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The line tonight at Bet Rivers is Raptors minus eight on the road. Is that because they're playing the Houston Rockets? Absolutely. They are playing the Houston Rockets without Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Jabari Smith Jr. is questionable with a hip pointer for the Raptors. OG Ananobi, everybody knows, is out for the rest of the road trip. Mm. And for anybody wondering, Otto Porter Jr. is out tonight. Okay. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to factor heavily into my betting. It's a here. minus a, you know, you look at this on paper, you're like, oh, this should be an easy win. You know, Raptors going to rack up 140 points. Mm. But you never know, though. You really never know. Think about all the losses that you walked through yesterday Yeah. in terms of worst losses on the season. And some of those have been like, you know, you look at a game in Minnesota that looked like a, a sure win. And that wasn't a shoe in. And the Raptors are giving eight points on the road. Who do you like, Will? Uh, I mean, I, I understand that Houston has just won their last two games, but th- I'm happy I checked their standings here because they beat Detroit and Oklahoma City. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it okay is. he's a good win. Um, I, I suppose it is. But, yeah, I, I do like the Raptors. The Raptors have played the Rockets pretty tough. Um, if they, you know, look, listen. Shang-Gun hard to is not gonna, play the Rockets. Shangun's going to be a tough, you know, player yeah. to handle, but the Raptors are going to get to the basket over and over yeah. against them. Bet and the that's going to be. I would recommend the over on this one. Yeah, I like that. I, feel like I it's think I'll take the Raptors, track. even though they're getting eight points, you know, on the road, which is not okay. the best, but. Last dance for this Raptors core group. Three more games until the trade deadline. Enjoy it while it lasts, the Toronto Raptors. The last dance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Lots of trade talk coming next week. Can't wait. So. There we go. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, the banter pod for January dropped finally. Oh, yeah. Banter so pod. If you want all the live updates, uh, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lots of good stuff. Derek is on there, of course. But the, anyway, we're out of time today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks once again to Gary Trent Sr. Thanks to producer and co-host Alex Wong. Thanks to our board producer, Derek Brandale and Frank Baraska for helping us with the YouTube stream. And we'll be back to talk to you next week.